What up, though? Welcome back to the Free Game Producer Podcast. I'm Brian Andre. I got the homeboy Will Power in the building yes, sir. here at the Bandwidth Studios. You know what I'm saying? We got a very, very special guest yeah. in the building today. When you talk about Atlanta fixtures and Atlanta staples, you got to mention this guy. Yeah, he's so Atlanta, He's so Atlanta had to get my throwback Steve Smith. My, <laughs> my you know Atlanta, what? I appreciate my, you. My, my Atlanta Hawks hat. You know what I'm saying? I had to go way back for this, man. Uh, I'm talking about somebody who really got it out the mud for real. Yeah. Interning for like Dallas Austin, mm. DJ Toomp, was integral in like uh, helping out uh, Ludacris and DTP back in the day. Yeah, that's right. Really made his bones as the uh, marketing VP of the marketing for uh, CT and Young Jeezy yep. before Young Jeezy blew up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so he got some real skin in the game. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking mm-hmm. about man who wears many hats, coalition DJs. I think you were. At the genesis of that, oh yeah, days. I started that. I call, I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> Let's go, man. I'm, talk, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the uh, a new project manager for Urban at uh, One RPM. We got Nick Love in the building. How you doing, sir? Hey, yes, hey. Sir. I love it. Yes, sir. I'm gonna yes, let him keep going. Like, hey, <laughs> hey, listen. T- tell me more about myself. He, I can't wait to hear. This guy is great with these intros, bro. He I is. It, like, yo, that was solid. That was solid. I really appreciate that, man. Yes, sir. Well, man, listen, thank you for coming on the show, bro. Like, we hey. really appreciate this, man. Thank y'all for having me. First, like, while we on the microphone, because yeah. I said it off mic, yeah. the place, amazing. Thank you, brother. It's dope what you're doing. Thank I've you. been following the show. You guys have been, I told you, the interviews, y'all been nailing them, the people, that, the guests that y'all have had. Yes, sir. Dope. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, because I respect the people that y'all have had on. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, people ask me to be on panels and do interviews and podcasts and stuff all the time and I'm yeah. and not even to be funny because I'm kind of low key right I don't want to be like let me go on there and talk about myself right. on another thing right. so I kind of lay low and um but I, I tend to step out for people that I respect platforms that I respect and this is one of them man so I'm super proud of y'all this is super dope man and um Hey, any, you know, anybody else who hasn't done the show or anybody that you can't get yeah, on the phone, man. we on their head. <laughs> and we're going to tell them right now, if you haven't done the show yet, you tripping. Yeah. It's you. Because it ain't this. <laughs> this go. is where it's at. Man, we really appreciate that. And that means a lot coming from you, man, because, like, we understand who you are in this community, man. I appreciate I mean, it. you know, we're we going to start talking about Atlanta, but we can also talk about the reach you have worldwide, man, For sure. and the things that you've done. Um, I appreciate the fact, man, that, like, you take – Everything that I've seen you get involved with, I see you take it very serious. You know For what I'm sure. saying? So, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's the music, there's the management, there's the marketing. Mm-hmm. You even got into food, like you a foodie. and Very like, much so. It's just like <laughs> that. When, when you right. see somebody enjoying, you could tell when a person is enriched in their life with all of the things that they're involved in. Because mm-hmm. some of us are like one-dimensional. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just music. Or yeah. It's just... Whatever Which is we sad, because you're yeah. limiting yourself. You are, man. And I, I just want to give you flowers on that, man, and let you know, bro, that we see it. And the reason we invited you on the show is because of that. So I appreciate welcome, it. Welcome, man. I appreciate you know what it, what man. Yeah. I yes, appreciate sir. it. And you being born and raised in Atlanta. For sure. Means something. Because I, mean, I grew up in Detroit, right? Okay. And I What feel side? Like West side. Okay. Side <laughs> okay. And, and I love it. I got family up there, so, you know, I, I'm tapped in up there. Yeah. When I was 10 years old, I said, I'm going to move to Atlanta. I made up my mind back then. And it seems like... It's been a gateway from Detroit to, to get to Atlanta. It has a lot so of y'all I, down here. So I put on my Steve Smith today just for that particular That's right. reason. But, <laughs> but I wonder from your perspective, though, the early 90s, like mm-hmm. what was it like growing up in Atlanta right as it was beginning to bubble? Um, Atlanta Atlanta has always been a cool place, right? Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? It's the, it's the big city with the small town feel, mm-hmm. especially when I was coming up. Mm-hmm. Like I remember being, you know, born and raised here. I didn't have another city to claim. You know what I'm saying? People always be like, what's your favorite team? I'm like, Falcons. They like the Falcons suck. I'm like, but who else would I cheer for? That's right. Same thing with the Braves. Same thing with the Hawks. You know what I'm saying? I was I was here, born and raised here, cheering for teams that were terrible. Yeah. for a long time, right? Yeah. And so you come up in the city and you develop a. I think anybody who was here in the '80s, early to mid '90s, and especially if you grew up here, you developed a little bit of a complex from the people that moved down mm-hmm. because everybody who came here, the first thing out their mouth was, "Man, y'all ain't even got." And what when back in back where I'm from, it's like this and it's like that. And it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. well, damn, man. Like, well, you know, especially at that age, I'm like, well, I don't know nothing else. So I don't I can't even tell you why we don't have the 24 hour this or the right. the the shop that you used that you grew up on or the type of food that you grew up on. It just you you kind of became defensive at a time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I remember coming to school in middle school, like I went, you know, I'm from the east side, I'm from Decatur. Yeah. So I went to school. Like Swiss Beats went to went to my high school. That's crazy. You know, like Swiss Beats went to read for Lola. You yeah. know what I'm saying? These are people that I you know I came up under. They were a couple of years mm-hmm. older than me, and I remember 
like going to the football games and the New York guys would have ciphers and there'd be like 40 of them. Yeah. Like doing real hard ass New York <laughs> Wu-Tang <laughs> ciphers. Yo, and they used to like literally in the middle of Atlanta be spitting like, yo, these Atlanta niggas ain't shit. They fucking, I'm like, yo, like, Whoa. what the? <laughs> and we don't even, you know what I'm saying? So you start to kind of, you know, you get defensive about yeah. it. And, I, and I'll never forget like when Goody Mob came through with the Fly Away record. And they like, if you don't like where I stay, fly. fly we was away. like, yes, yeah. this is exactly what we've been feeling like all this time That's because right. everybody moved down here. And it's crazy because, you know, you move down here for a better way of life, for, uh, you know, the cost of living, for yeah. the weather, for all this stuff, all the great things about our city. But yeah. then you got down here and complained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it made people that were from here be like, hey, man, for real, fuck y'all. Yeah, And as we got older, we started to take more and more pride in who we are or were. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? At one point. And so now you get the, I'm from real, you know, the real Atlanta, the true mm-hmm. Atlanta. You start to see all these shirts about Atlanta influences everything. Yeah. I'm from the real Atlanta, the old Atlanta. Yeah. Those are those are things that we take pride in because we remember what it was before everybody showed That's up. Right, Pre-Olympics, man. you know what yep. I'm saying? Yep. Pre, you know, all, you know, the, mu- the music boom mm-hmm. when we were still considered country and slow. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's what, you know, we from that. The freak, yeah, the the Freaknik era. That's right. Everybody came for Freaknik. Everybody came for Freaknik, but then they went home. Right. The Olympics came. People people stayed. People stayed. That's right. Mm. And now we like, yo, like, where, where did we go? Yeah. I always ask this, you know, to my people, I'm like, yo, man, so if everybody moved here, where did the Atlantans go? Like, where did we move to? Yeah. Because it's always weird. Like you said, you're from Detroit. So some of my, some of my closest partners, like Snoop, that runs Escobar. That's two chains as part of my man Dennis McKinley that owns a uh, Crew Lounge and mm-hmm. uh, Original Hot Dog Factory. They're all from Detroit. Yeah. And so when they see each other, they're like, "Yo!" And they start talking about home. And I'm like, "Well, I wonder if I move to another city, would I run into a bunch of Atlanta folks, and yeah. we could be like, hmm. you know what I'm saying? Because I see New Yorkers click up, I see Detroit people yeah. click up, I see Chicago people click up yeah. here, but I never see it. I never hear about Atlantans in other cities doing the same. Yeah. So I'm always curious about that. Yeah, I think um, I think it might be that way now. I believe that like Atlanta has truly influenced a lot of people. For sure. Man. Because, you know, you speak on when the Olympics came, that was one movement, but another really big movement was when Katrina hit. Uh-huh. And it was like, yo, all of a sudden, just a gang of people showed up to the mm-hmm. A, bro. And it was another shift of culture, another shift of mentality. But yet, what I love about the A is, it, we've always been able to just kind of keep what it is. For sure. You know what I'm saying? For sure. I can say we now because I've been here, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, hey, man, I, we'll, we'll take you. You Come know on. what I'm saying? <laughs> we'll adopt you. We don't mind. But it's like, you know, I understand I understand exactly what you're talking about, man. But I'm I'm noticing, man, that like wherever we go, <clears throat> you know, whenever we step outside of our own zone, we run into people, man, that claim to A now, man, and it's yeah. starting to look good, man. So, yeah, it's cool, man. That's dope. Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's nice to be, you know, celebrated. Yeah. To a certain degree. You know, yeah. in, in certain circles, right? Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? We were talking yeah. about, like I said before we got on, just the the perception of Atlanta for from people who have moved here or people who have never been, right? Yeah. Like right. I was you know, I was having a conversation a couple weekends ago, like, you know, you see stuff on Twitter or you see stuff on socials where it's like, Atlanta ain't this and Atlanta ain't that, and these Atlanta people and Atlanta people. And and the thing that I always find funny is that it'll be somebody from Detroit meet somebody from Chicago. Yeah. They fall out and they be like, man, Atlanta crazy. And it's like, yeah. no, y'all, <laughs> y'all, y'all crazy. Right. Neither one of y'all are from here, That's but right. you're saying Atlanta people did a thing. And I'm like, nah. we didn't have anything right. to do with nothing that happened with y'all. That's right. And yeah, especially with women. Women be like, man, these Atlanta chicks, they this, that, and the third. I'm like, yeah, but the girl you fell out with from LA. That's right. It's just, it's the craziest <laughs> thing, man. Wow. wow. It's frustrating to watch because it's like, right. We just get blamed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm, it's like throw dirt on our name. It's weird. Now, I, th- I think a lot of us always love Atlanta. Though. Atlanta's yeah. like the place to be. Now, again, coming up, uh, TLC, LaFace, all that was mm-hmm. was popping. How did you get in the mix with like Dallas Austin and DJ Toom? How did you get started? So yeah. I missed the LaFace wave, right? Like, um, you know, I was too young. You know what I'm saying? Uh, y'all ever read the book, The Outliers? Yes. So if you're reading The Outliers, in the book, they talk about, you know, kind of people like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and right, how they call the wave. That's right. And a lot of it in that book has to do with the fact that it ain't so much that they were just so much smarter than everybody. They just happened to be growing up in a certain city at a certain time yep. when a certain the certain technology was available to That's them right. and they were able to gravitate toward it. Yes, sir. So you could have been Steve Jobs intelligence wise or stature wise but if you grew up in middle america yeah you must you, must you missed wave. out yeah. you know what i'm saying Facts. so same thing for atlanta there's a wave of people who happen to be 
18, 19, 20, you know, 21, 25. in 1993, yeah. 94, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? They were old enough to be interns, old enough to be in college, old enough to be, you know, hitting the freak nick heavy and like actually involved, do, you know, doing the yeah. nightlife thing. And they were, uh, you know, they were in the city when Babyface and, and L.A. Reid came through and, and took over. Yep. I was too young. I missed it. But mm-hmm. from the time I was a kid, I always knew I wanted to be in the music business. Like mm-hmm. I was the kid that because I wanted to be an artist. Yeah. So when I was like five, six years old and the teacher would say, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? My answer was Michael Jackson. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I never wanted to be a fireman, a policeman. And then, you know, it wasn't no knock to them. It just that was where my brain was. Yeah. I was the kid that would come downstairs. My mom would be like, hey, do that dance. You know, show, right. show, show your aunties how you do that, how you yeah. do that dance. I put the sunglasses on, my little Michael Jackson glove, and I'm moonwalking through the house. Like, yes, that was me. And so when I got older, I started watching, like, CeeLo Green. I started watching Nate Dogg. And I'm like, oh, shit, you can sing and curse at the same time? Yeah. I want it. That was- <laughs> because that was, that's me all day. Like, you know, I'm a... I'm a com- bit of a chameleon. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of what served me well in this music business. Like, Keep in mind, like, I'm a Grady baby. I'm an original A-Town kid, but I'm from Decatur. I, you know what I'm saying? My my family had me at Grady Hospital and took me straight to Glenwood. Is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm, re- like, real East Side kid. But we grew up in a crazy neighborhood um, right off Glenwood. Then we would move. We ended up moving to Candler Road mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of going up and down Candler Road for years, right? My daddy was hustling, so it was like... I would stay in the house for a year and we moved to an apartment and then things would get good again. And then we move and then we move back. You know, that was just kind of my life for years. Yeah. But, um, I, 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 I found myself just gravitating toward, I want to be in this business. I don't know how to do it. And finally, as I'm singing in church, doing talent shows at high school, mm-hmm. doing all this stuff, I, I click up with other people. You know, so I had some homeboys of mine that we went to school with and, um, we all were just trying to chase a dream, man. I was I was an artist. I was an aspiring artist, bro. And I just started reading, like, Rolling Out Magazine, mm. uh, Creative Loafing at that time, and just looking at the pictures and being like, who are these people? I yeah. want to get next to these folks. So um, I ended up at Georgia State going to school after I graduated, and Luda's there. Well, he's Chris Lover Love at this time. He's yeah. on the radio. And I'm like, okay, now I'm starting to put, you know, I'm starting to meet some of these people that I'm seeing their pictures of. Yeah. And, you know, meeting, you know, Dallas and Shaka and Luda and uh, Emperor Cersei, you know, people like that at the time, man. And just random luck. I just ended up, um, my partner, Big Mark, who was part of this group called The Backwoods. They had yeah, a group, uh, they had a song called uh, You're Gonna Love Me. Yeah, bro. Come yeah. on, man. So, me and Big Mark went to Redan together. And um, they were working their record. And my boy Milwaukee produced that shit. The, it, oh, wow. OG, OG yeah. Milwaukee. OG man. Milwaukee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, my homeboy Big Mark, he uh, he was in the group. And I was I just wanted to, I loved the record. And I saw it in. And I was like, well, shit, maybe I can kind of nudge my way in there. I don't, I don't want no money. I just want to. Yeah, I just want to be in the mix. Yeah, and um, I was able to get in there, man, and it just—I never looked back, bro. You know what, man? I probably met you during that era. Probably we was coming up from South Carolina around that time to meet with Milwaukee and work with them. Uh, back when uh, what's my man? A uh, novel. Yeah, all them novel songwriter. They mm-hmm. was all in at Dark working at that time, yep. man. So yeah, bro, that's crazy. Yeah, bro. Dark was the first studio I ever saw, and I was like, oh, this is what a studio yeah like, mm-hmm. is. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like uh, before then, it was your partners that had a little yeah a little setup in their house yeah. or in the garage. You like this is cool to me. That was everything. Yeah, it was. It's definitely the first uh, studio I ever went to where I felt like it was a vibe in there. I mean, Dallas was the man though. He like was, like Atlanta. Guy. You yeah. got to remember in that LaFace era, that mid '90s era, Jermaine Dupri. Dallas Austin and Rico Wade were like kings, kings, yes, (laughs) kings. Like if you saw them in the streets, if you happen to run past them in the in the streets and you see them in their cars, you like, man, these dudes is yeah. You know how like New Yorkers talk about like Alpo, yeah, and and like how they like, man, I see them on the motorcycle. That was Rico. Rico was the coolest nigga (laughs) in the world (laughs) in the mid nineties, bro. And just seeing that movement and just seeing these guys get money off music was like, nah, man, I want in. Well, that's 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 really what's the the dopest part of Atlanta to me is you it it's such a community where regular people can end up in rooms with people that's popping that yeah. it's not like that everywhere else. Nah, you go to L.A., bro. Like you gotta you gotta fit in. You gotta yeah. be a part of some group of people or something like that. But in Atlanta, bro. I, I ran into Toomp years ago just at the gas station. And that's a relationship that got built from just chopping yeah. it up with him at the gas tank. Greatest bro. guy in the world, by the way. Absolutely, man. Yeah. And so that's what I love about the A. So yeah, I could see where that where that really 
came together for you. That's yeah. that's crazy, bro. Yeah, I mean, I just I, I never look back, bro. Like I said, I was an artist. Um, I never forget. Um, me and my partners, who ironically, as you know, and, and maybe we'll get to this part of the story, maybe we won't. But the people that I was doing music with, like I so said, we were in high school together. Mm-hmm. So when we all graduated, everybody kind of went their separate ways, but we kind of maintained our musical core. So we we paid a guy by the name of Jason McPhee. This is one of my mentors to this day. Yeah. He was at a studio called Meta Music. It was owned by this guy named Calfani. Mm. Um, Jason had an office in there. And yeah. Jason, we paid Jason to consult us as a group. Yeah. And so we go to him and we're like, hey, so we got this music. We're ready to go. What do we need to do? Yeah. And he looked at us and he said, okay, now who's doing, he started looking around like, okay, who's doing the marketing? Who's doing this? Who's doing that? And we looked at him like, what? I don't know. We thought we just made music and we'd be famous right. tomorrow. Like, yeah. that's what we paying you for. Yeah. And he's like, well, y'all gonna have to do it. We like, all right, cool, whatever. And he started handing out jobs. He was the one, like, I got turned on the marketing because a man literally looked at me and was like, you seem like a cool kid. You do the marketing. <laughs> and I was like, all right, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Having yeah. no clue what it was, and he didn't know that he changed my life that day because the minute I was able to make money doing marketing, yeah, I never thought about being an artist from that day forward because wow. I was like, oh, like, because you know, I'm getting I'm, I'm probably 20 at this time. I ended up having a daughter maybe a year later, but I needed bread and yeah. I started, I was able to make money doing that, but I was never able to make money as an artist. That's right. I'm like, what are we talking about? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This, yeah. is, a, this is an easy decision. You man, know what I'm there, saying? This is, that's important to hear, man, because yeah. you know what? It needs to be said right now as well. It's like a lot of people are signing up for the part of the business that they're not really that good at. Nah. It's like, it's okay, man, if you want to go into the side of it that helps make something dope. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. sometimes you see a rapper that you know, bro, this dude's got so many other talents that rapping might not be what he should be doing. I'm going to tell you what's even more frustrating than that. It's funny that you bring it up. Me and my man, Ray Daniels, who you had on this show. Yes, sir. Me and him have been working on a book for a little while. And I, Ray, we need to get back and finish the book. It's, that's kind of probably my fault. But, <laughs> you know, and y'all know Ray is, Ray is my guy. He's one of the yes, smartest sir. people you'll ever meet. Absolutely. Um, but we've been working on this book. Um, tentatively titled Shine in the Shadows it might be the, t- the title might be changing yeah. but it's about jobs behind the scenes in the music business because a lot of people so just needed. don't know what it is man and I'm gonna tell you like I said the most frustrating thing is meeting an artist and his crew Yeah, and the crew is just a bunch of his homeboys who are just really just hanging out Yeah, but you start talking to him and you're like damn like if he, he don't have to just be a homeboy that's right he don't have to just be a nigga just leeching on yeah. he could be mm-hmm. The manager yeah, or yeah. the photographer or the social media guy or, you know, the a and like he could actually have a function and be an earner yeah. for this artist mm-hmm. other than, and you know, not just a liability who's subject to just be around yeah. for some shit. You yeah. know what I'm saying? To go down and go wrong. Yeah. That's right. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, damn, man, this nigga got 50 people around him. Not knowing that he could actually have fifty employees, employees or, or people working that yeah. are benefiting the business of it keeping everybody out of trouble, keeping everybody busy, mm-hmm. but actually giving them a, a sense of self-worth and value and not just, I'm just here. You know what I'm saying? Or I'm just, I'm just, hey, I mean, if something happened to him, you know, I'm here to, I'm here to handle business. It's like, but you don't have to be that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's cool because that's your partner, yeah. but you don't actually just have to be, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, street security. You so, know what I'm saying? Yeah. So from that motivation of like wanting to get into marketing and realizing that not only is it something you were good at, but it also had a great at, by the way. Great at, great right. at. That's 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 good. <laughs> so like, you know, what made you dig in? Like at the point where it was like, all right, cool. I did this for these folks. I made a little bit of money. I realized nobody could do what I was doing. Come on. Um, and and that's not on no brag shit. Mm-hmm. What it was was that as I like I was going to talk to DJs. Cause that was that was how I got in. Cause the, the, my role initially with the group was, you need to go talk to DJs and get them to play the record. Work the record. Okay, cool. So I would go to the club, and you know, the first time I don't know nobody, they don't know me, and I'm doing the hey, how you doing? I'm Nick Love, woo the woo, and I kind of got one guy to play the record, and he was like, oh man, kind of like this, you know what I'm saying? Give me a number, and I'm doing this. So after I did it for a few months, I realized I had built up a little. Kind of roller decks, right? Now, you know, mind you, this is the days of the Blackberry. Yeah, bro. So I got a Blackberry, <laughs> and and one of the best things I ever did was in that Blackberry, I would have like, all right, cool, I got willpower. Willpower DJs at Strokers. Yeah. Willpower drinks, vodka, and cranberry. All this is in my phone. So now when I come back and I see you, I already know. Get this nigga his drink. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I already know. I know if he smoke. I know if he drink. Right. I know what he drink. I know kind of what everybody's vices are just from hanging out. And it was the one thing, and I'm going to tell you, this is kind of what, Flip the switch for me. It was the one way I didn't have to spend money. 
I was going to strip clubs and trying to get the songs played, right? But I realized if I hung out in the DJ booth, the girls wouldn't bother me. That's right. So I didn't have to sit in the crowd and, and spend, spend money, money <laughs> getting dances and throwing bread. If I just hung out in the DJ booth, I could kind of hide. That's right, bro. You know what I'm saying? But that hiding allowed me to kick it, talk to everybody. Then after a while, you realize, like, hold on. Nobody else is up here with me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So now when other people's like, yo, how did you get y'all song play at the club? Oh, well, you know, I called DJ so-and-so, yeah. and he was like, just pull up. And they like, how you know him? Right. I mean, shit, I just met him. That's right. And when you start to realize that other people were either too scared or just didn't have yeah, those connections, you're like, hold on. <laughs> I think I got something here. You know That's what I'm saying? Right, like, man. I think I got something yeah. that makes me different. Because, yeah. mind you, keep in mind, at this point in Atlanta, this is late 90s, early 2000s, everybody's trying to do music. That's right. So if you just end up being one of a million people do, trying to just be here. Yeah. So it was like, I needed something to separate myself so people would be like, I need to call Nick for that. Yeah. And that's what it was, man. And the best thing I ever did was market myself. Come on, man. You know what I'm saying? Like having a memorable name, like Nick Love is my real name. Yeah. And being able to talk the talk and move how I move, that set me apart immediately. And I was like, I'm doing this. I'm yeah. locked in. I, I, I'll never look anywhere else for something. Hmm. Speaking of the saturation that was in Atlanta, I read <laughs> somewhere in an interview and I was t talking to Will uh, and somebody else about that right before you came about how I read somewhere that you said, you know what, I need to make some money. I'm going to go outside of Atlanta yeah. to these little cities around Atlanta mm -hmm. and start building a network there where everybody trying to come to Atlanta. Let me get out of Atlanta. Yeah, I, I was. OK, so I'm in Atlanta. This is a, I'm at DTP at this point. My man Goose, shout out to Goose. He gave me an opportunity to um, come in and work records for DTP. Mm -hmm. So mind you, this is like early Bobby V. Slow down. This is uh Shauna was still, you know, Shauna was dropping records. This is a uh, pre pre player circle or like player circle kind of came later on later yeah. on in the process. But this is like I said, this is Bobby V records. Mm -hmm. So mind you, uh, another mentor of mine, my guy real real street promotions. Um, he had the all female street team at the time. Like he was like to me the cool. He, another guy that I was like he the coolest dude in the world. Yeah, he got a street team of 20, 30 females out here with the the, the baby dog tees and they working. And I was like. <laughs> He driving, I think he had like a big BMW at that time. And I was like, this dude right here, man. Like, yeah. he is it. And I'm like, okay, I don't have no BMW. I don't have a 30, you know, 30 woman street team. I really don't even have no bread at this time, for real, for real. So I'm yeah. like, I got to figure out how to make some money. So I so I lie. I tell Goose. I said, hey, man, you know, I can break records like out of town. I don't got to be here. I can do, you know, holler DJs elsewhere. He said, you know, now you know what? If you could do that, I can get you some money. Yeah. He said, because here we could do it honestly we yeah, just giving right. you an opportunity to kind of save us some leg work but if you were actually willing to like do that and in my mind like my, my, my mom is from Columbus Georgia oh yeah so I was like I can just go to Columbus get the record played down there yeah. and that'll be my little hustle but at a point I was like well you know what Columbus is like two hours away but Macon's only like an hour and a half yeah maybe I can do Macon too and then I just thought like again the wheels are turning well Chattanooga is only like two hours away hmm. Birmingham two hours away. Everything, you know right what I'm saying? Everything is yeah. And, and and for those who have never figured it out, like the way that Atlanta became Atlanta in a lot of ways was that within two to four hours, there's so many other cities that we could hit that our music could spread to. Yeah. That it doesn't really work for other people, right? Like yep. think about L. A. When you're in L. A., four hours from L. A. is L. A. I mean, right. it's still Cali. It's still you know what I'm saying? Essentially, right. yeah. In Texas, if you're in Houston, four hours from Houston is still Texas. That's right. That's why a lot of stuff gets landlocked. But Atlanta. Four hours from Atlanta puts you in Charlotte, yep. in Tennessee, Kentucky. down near Kentucky, yep. down near Mississippi, yep. Florida. Carolina, you know South what I'm saying? Yep. And you hit everything. So your yeah. Atlanta music can spread very fast yeah, if somebody takes the time to work it. Yeah. And um, that was just kind of, like I said, it was a lie that kind of got me in the door. But it was like, oh, if you just give me gas money plus a couple bucks, I'm oh, good. Yeah. And again, once I figured that out, that they would pay me for that, I started selling that to other people. and say, hey, man, you know, I go to... I know the DJ's down in Macon. You know I know the DJ's in Birmingham. I'll be there this weekend. Give me your stuff. Give me your stuff. So everybody's right. like, bet, man. Here go $100. And then, you know, you start picking up $100 here, $100 there. Now you like, <laughs> I got a little something. Yeah. So a lot of my stuff, man, it really wasn't even hustling. It was stuff that I was legitimately passionate about that I did on a humbug, and I realized there's value in it. Man. And that's just been my calling card for years is finding a way to add value to you, you, and anybody else. Bro. That's it, man. Be of service. Yeah. Be of service. That's our thing, bro. Be <laughs> of service, man. Not enough people want to do that because everybody crazy. wants to kind of serve themselves. Absolutely. Bro. Um, I'm I'm bl I'm blessed and unfortunate enough to be in you know in a good financial position. I've made a lot of great decisions. Yep. Um, I don't have a lot of vices. You know, what I'm saying I eat my money for sure. Yep. That's what, hence bite life. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But other than that, I don't I'm not a Louis Gucci yeah. guy. I don't have like any expensive habits. So I'm in a position where now I can say no. Yeah. And um I don't have to get a penny off of every dime that I make you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like bro. so I can say, you know what, Will Power, I got something that's completely for you. Yeah. I don't even want nothing. Yeah. And, and Willpower's like, yo, Nick is my man. He just yeah. did it off the strength. And right, man. I've done it so many times that yeah. people just kind of respect what I do. And, and you know, and not just because I'm a pushover or some sucker. It's just like I genuinely like to help people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just I'm, I'm a people person, and, I, and that's what served me well as a marketer. Yeah, bro, listen, man. Like, your reputation is is impeccable, man. Like, I appreciate almost that. everyone that I've ever run into who knows you, they all say the same things. It's like, you know, he's the guy to know. He's the person who can take this from here. Or... The phone call. It's that, it's that kind of stuff. I, yeah. I just recently was talking to some friends over at, uh, at one RPM, and then I saw that you, mm-hmm. you know, started working with them. Then mm-hmm. of course, there's um my man and fan base, Isaac. Yeah, you that's know what my I'm guy, saying? bro. Like to see you in all of these valuable places to the people, it's like that speaks to that speaks. You know what I mean? So Amen. I think I want everybody to win. That, bro, I legitimately want everybody to win. Yeah. Like I tell people all the time, bro. It's hard enough when you're doing it the right way. Yeah. So. Throw in a couple of fuck ups, you know what I'm saying? You can lose a lot of money and a lot of time. Oh man, you know man, what I'm man. saying? Like so, <laughs> and, and and I'm especially supportive of people who are doing things that are not necessarily just music, right? Like, mm-hmm. come on, like, we know a ton of rappers, producers. Like that's yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's that's kind of a dime a dozen, especially in Atlanta. Yeah, when like when I saw Isaac start fan base, I'm like, bro, I want to support that yes. because that's the thing that he like when I started when I started Bite Life, mm-hmm. I never forget. I'm like, yo, I want to interview people while we eat food, and I remember people looking at me like I had three heads because they didn't understand that concept because my this is 2012 yeah. this is pre-Action Bronson yeah, this is yeah. pre-seeing black people and young people alone <laughs> like Food Network and stuff so I remember calling people like yo um, you know can I interview him I want we gonna go up to this restaurant and everybody's like huh well, I mean what, so what we gonna do and I'm like bro we're just gonna eat that's it oh, I just want I'm a feed I'll pay for the food right. and all you gotta do is talk to me Man. And I remember them just scratching their heads like, yeah, Nick's doing this weird thing. And then fast forward, everybody got a food show or something. Right. It's like, <laughs> and I remember feeling like, damn, I wish I'd had somebody like me that was like, hey, I just want to support Nick because Nick right. is doing this cool thing that's right. going to add a platform to what we got going on. So now when you have something, when whoever, I'm yes, like, sir. I want to support that because I remember feeling that like, damn, bro, like people like me. Yeah. Everybody likes me. Yeah. But. Who wants to help? Who wants to genuinely just yeah. jump in and say, bro, I don't want nothing from you. I'm just going to come support yeah, it because uh, I feel like it needs support. Man. Um, and, you know, that's just yeah. like, so that's just genuine from the heart. I can relate to that, man. Like, that's a great, but you're in a great space, man. Like, you know, that's a great space to be in. Because, you know, it's a lot of people, man, who got help mm-hmm. and let people down. It's a lot of people who didn't move right when they, you know what I'm saying? So like yeah. you're just in a good space. It's like you earned it all. It's ne- it wasn't one of those things. And in time, everything you're talking about is going to be, it's going to come to fruition anyway. Right. So, yeah. But I'm putting the shine on it, right? Like it was yeah. a lot of ugly times, right? Yeah. It was a lot of times where you dealt with people. Yeah. I, well, I've dealt with artists that I was like, damn, this, this, these people are completely ungrateful for yeah, the effort being put on, you know, on my behalf. There were times when the money was, was tight, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And so, uh, you know, I'm very like as much as I do the hey guys, my life is great and I just want to help. Yeah, I'm very like I also do a scared straight version of Nick Love yeah, yeah. where I'm like, hey, you sure you want to do this? Right. You know what I'm saying? Because I got as many horror stories yeah. as I do. Yeah. The times that it worked out. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? I have all the times where like I, you know, like I said, I speak very highly of Tump. Tump is my man. Yeah. Um. You know, then I speak very highly of Dallas Austin, Ludacris, Goose, the people who put me on. Yeah. I'm super appreciative pre- appreciative of them because I'm here because of them. Yeah. Um, and I've been able to make my way. And every time I do an interview, I shout out Jason McPhee. I shout out Real. I shout out uh, Goose. I shout out Kinky B because Kinky B is who gave me the job at CTS. It wasn't Jeezy. Come on. I tell everybody that all the time. You wear multiple hats, right? Right. Multiple things. Literally. Man. And I've been preaching that forever because my thing is if, if you got an income coming in and you mm-hmm. can pay your bills, that frees you up to do whatever you want to do. You can you can pursue your dream as a producer if you got money coming in. Right. right? But, but for me, it was a necessity, right? Yeah. I, um, so... Like I said, you know, anybody who knows me personally knows, especially if you knew me back when I was doing CTE, um, that was a uh, that was probably my proving grounds in terms of like preparing me for life and the business and the whole nine Um, in the best way and the worst way. Right. So when I got with Jeezy and CTE, like I said, this is the very beginning. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people attribute, you know, 
Jeezy and stuff to me, which is, I love that because I was there in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I always tell people, like, if you go get a job right now with, like, 2 chains, it's like, nobody's giving you the credit for that because he's already he's who already he is. Chain, right. yep. I called Jeezy before he was Jeezy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I was part of the growing process. The first three, four albums, the USDA album, the mixtapes, Can't Ban the Snowman, Trap or Die, all of these things, yeah. the Snowman campaign, those things were iconic. And Ooh. I was there for oh, those yeah. things. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. was the one in the meetings and putting plays together and flying up to New York and meeting with <clears throat> Def Jam doing the whole nine. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like I said, I'm lucky. You know what I'm saying? I My dream... I remember sitting in like, you know what I'm saying, in my car, like maybe in like Augusta one day, like, man, one day when I'm like 30 years old, I'm going to run the marketing for a label. That'd be like my dream job. Well, my dream came too. I was 22. Yeah. I met Kink. I was 22 years old and I ended up the VP of, you know, marketing for CTE. And that was, I was 22, but that was sheer luck. Like I said, mind you, I I didn't even help. Like I said, when I I met Kink at that tag office, I didn't help him. Another lady did. And she happened to. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It was a chain of events that that caused that to, to take place. That was just God. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Because yeah. he could he could have easily walked out the door and yeah, the whole story's different, the right? Whole story different, right? But I mean, I say all that to say, I I was lucky to get the opportunity that I got and I made the most of it. However, um, there were a lot of growing pains because mind you, Jeezy's young, Kink's young. This is early Coach K. Yeah, this is early Yusef. This is early Twin. This is all you know. All the people that were there, Asha, our whole crew, Carbon Fifteen. All my my original CTE, uh, Erica, everybody that was there was young and learning, right? So yeah. we hit a lot of uh, bumps in the road because we were young. And a lot of immaturity, a lot of egos. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I learned very quickly because of a, a falling out that me and Jeezy had, yeah. um, which we would always fall out, make up, fall out, make up, fall out, make up. That was just kind of the relationship that we had for years until ultimately we just got older and was like, yeah. Okay. Like, I'm good on it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But res- healthy respect for each other. Yeah, for sure. But just like, we probably shouldn't do this. Yeah. Like, cause we just, I don't know if it's cause I'm a Leo and he's a damn, whatever the fuck he is. He's yeah. a, his, uh, his, his birthday is like, uh, I think his birthday is in the end of September. Yeah. I think he's like a, ver- no, he's a Libra. He's a Libra. A Libra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if it's dad. I don't know what it is, man. But, um, I learned very on that this is a mute, the music business. Yeah. And that we are not family. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. As much as amongst ourselves, you know, in our office, in our crew, on our tours, it was like we family, we family. This is damn near gang, right? Yeah. But when we would fall out, it would be like, but, damn, if we fam, you 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 sure are quick to cut me off, or you sure yeah. are quick to kind of yeah stiff arm. And I'm like, gotcha, we not yeah. family. Yeah. And once I realized that, like once that illusion was kind of taken away, yeah, I was like. Bet I know how to treat the rest of this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So when th- weird things would happen, to and honestly to my personal detriment, because I started to treat my 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 ex-wife at this point, yeah. my wife that way too, because like we would have issues and I would be like numb to everything. Cause I'm like, yo, like after dealing with that situation, yeah. it was like nothing bothers me nothing now, bothers right? Me. So it's like yeah. we'd have issues at home or something would happen, and I'm like, huh? Eh. Yeah. Hey, that's life. Yeah. It happens. And my, my wife is like, you're so unemotional yeah. oh, to man. everything. And I'm like, I don't know how I got, you know, you know, back then I'm like, I don't know why I'm this way yeah. now, you know, in a, in an age where everybody's able to kind of self-reflect and yeah. do some mental soul searching. Yeah, it's like, it Oh yeah. gotcha. I know exactly how I got there. That's right. But at that time I'm like, I don't know. Just, yeah. Just hey man, what it is. somebody dies. It's just like, right. Man, life, right. life is short. <laughs> What are we doing tomorrow? You know what bro, I'm saying? You're speaking to me so much right now. Hey, bro, now, bro. listen. <laughs> I got real stories about Yo. real life shit, and I think that's what makes me somebody that people kind of go to and like, bro, because I know Nick understands. Nick's been through having kids, you know, being married, mm-hmm. divorced, engaged now, yeah. um, being in this business, uh, being super up, being back down, yep. climbing back, um, persevering, yeah. uh, building relationships. Like, I kind of know... I can talk to you about it, literally any and everything. Yeah. So if you, I'm, I tell you, like, I can go do a relationship podcast. <laughs> I can go do music. Yeah. I, can t- I can talk to you about it all genuinely because I've been through so much. And so I always tell people, like, this business is not for the faint at heart, right? Yeah. This is not a business for the weak because yeah. you'll get tested and tried every single day, either with somebody telling you no or somebody closing the door or somebody that you rocked with that you or you thought rocked with you yep. looking at you sideways because you had some success and resenting your success mm-hmm. or sh- shutting you out of an opportunity you like damn but I thought we was dang yeah bro like it's, it's crazy out here bro, bro like, <laughs> hey man like listen I it ain't all glitz and glamour shiny right. shit man like right. I think people don't 
people discredit what we do for a living because it looks cool, right? Yeah, man. You know, I do podcast interviews. Yeah. I'm in the club. You know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. traveling. It's like, man, Nick has this this dream job, but it's yeah. like. You said the operative word. It's a job. It's a job. It's man. a job. Don't yeah. ever t- remove that portion of it. Yeah. It's a job. It's work. I take it extremely seriously. And I, I, it's it's a slap in the face to anybody who treats my job like it ain't a job yeah. or who only wants the perks of it and none of the- None of the work. Right. Yeah. yeah. All the perks, none of the work. There it is. I, re- I hate you guys. Yeah. How do you bounce back <laughs> and, and stay positive and not let stuff get to you? Like when you, you told a story before about going up to a meeting at Def Jam <laughs> and how they kind of clowned you a little yes. bit. Like how, how do you like, uh, especially when you look at Jeezy and you look at Coach K and they got to like- Say this is my marketing guy, and you just kind of got clowned. Like, how, how do you still go forward and not take that personal and still like deliver the results? All right, so that story for anybody who hasn't heard it is, um, you know, early on in you know in in the Jeezy process. This is actually the first album. It's TM One Hundred and One, hmm. and um, you know we're going to we flew up to New York to Def Jam, sit down, you know, with the Def Jam staff, and I'm you know I'm in charge of marketing, so I have to sit with the Def Jam marketing team to make sure what, everything is aligned. Yeah. And I remember sitting in this meeting. I remember who was in the meeting. Um, shouts out to Ashana. Uh, shouts out to uh, like it's a, it's a few people that I remember from, from you know from those days. And um, Yvette Yvette Davila, who is one is one of the sweetest people in the world. Um, but I remember sitting in this meeting. And mind you, this is all hard scrabble, New York. This is prime yeah. Def Jam. Right. They're the Yankees <laughs> at this point, right? Yeah. And here we come, you know, the Atlanta guys from down there. And they're like, all right, Nick, so give us the plan. And I'm like, all right, cool. We're going to do this. So, okay, first of all, before I finish this story, can y'all pick up my, do I still have my Atlanta accent to y'all? Yeah. A little bit. You still hear that? Okay, so like, but mind you, back then, I really. It was real country. It was real, <laughs> real T.I. <laughs> bank hit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Yo, it was that Atlanta, what up? Atlanta Southern Southern like, shit. it was that. <laughs> so I'm telling them the, you know, the, the marketing plan. And like, these New York women were like, what? Yeah. What What does he say? He talks so fast. Like, slow down. And like, they're, mind you, they're doing this, like, in front of, like, L.A. Reid. They're doing Jeez. this in front of, like, everybody. And I'm sitting there, like, you know, now, mind you, Kink and Jesus know exactly what I'm saying. Everybody yeah. that came with us yeah. understands me perfectly. Yeah. But it doesn't matter at this point because I'm talking to them. And I could see Kink and G. You know how you notice people kind of, like, sliding away from you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you, y'all got this. You know, you got this, right? So yeah. I'm, like, trying to present the plan, and these women are tearing me to shreds. Yeah. I think a little bit of it was on purpose because they were just like, let's just haze the mm-hmm. the, 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 the country guy. Atlanta yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. But also like, because mind you, Kink and Jeezy, Kink especially talks way more country than I do, mm-hmm. but they're giving him the utmost respect, right? But yeah. me, they're like ripping me to shreds. And I remember coming home back to Atlanta being like, I got to get rid of this Atlanta accent. Like, you know what I'm saying? I can't, that can't happen again. Yeah, that's not Like boy, I literally want to crawl room. under the table and like not ever, you know, like I remember they being like, yeah, we got to go back to New York. And I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I'm gonna be it. sick that day. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to go because I didn't want to go through that. But it was a, it was a, it was a growing pain that I had to learn yeah, because I, I, you have to be able to communicate to people. Yeah, boardroom etiquette, man. You boardroom etiquette. Yeah. So I had to learn how to enunciate my words, talk a little slower, talk a little, you know, you know, use a few more big words or yeah. whatever you have to do um, to uh, cater to the audience that I'm speaking to. Yeah. Um, but I remember, like I said, now I can look back and laugh and tell the story, but I remember then being like, I am the dumbest countryist, you know, nigga on the face of the earth, man. And these, and these people have found me out. They have found out that I'm not as smart as I think I am. They Mm -hmm. found out that I shouldn't have this job. I'm not supposed to be here. And it's all been discovered and discovered in front of L.A. Reid, in front of Jeezy, in front of, you know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. I'm That's like, crushing, that, bro. That crushing. Yeah. Like, like, crushing. Yeah. But, I mean, but like I said earlier in the interview, I've been a chameleon all my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I where I grew up at, like, my neighborhood was, I didn't come up in no project. I don't have no project story, right? Yeah. We always had, like, my neighborhood always had some wild shit go on. Yeah. And we always had wild kids in the neighborhood. So I grew up with a lot of gang stuff, a lot of fighting. And back then, like Atlanta, cause, and this is another thing I'll say, because I, I just did a story in Rolling Stone about the crime in Atlanta. Atlanta has never been a gang city. Mm-hmm. When I came up, the one, we had, like, gangs for, like, one year in, yeah. like, middle school. And then everybody was like, ha, we used to do the gang stuff. We don't do that anymore. Yeah. It was always neighborhoods and streets, right? Yeah. So, like, my neighborhood would have a crew, and we would fight other neighborhoods. we do yeah. all that. But then on Wednesday, i go to church. 
Fact. Not singing the choir. Being my mom Sunday, I'm singing in the choir. Mm-hmm. So I knew how to be the church kid. I knew how to be the street kid. Yeah. I knew how to go play football with the team. And now I'm the football guy. And I'm, you know, yeah. the, you know, I know how to hit and tackle and play defense. So I knew how to always turn it on, turn it off, depending on where I was. Yeah. And um, that was just to me was just another opportunity to turn yeah. it on, turn it off. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it, it crushed me initially, and like I said, really like rocked me for a while. Like I don't know how to overcome this, and it was just like, nah, Nick, you do know how to overcome this because. When you was you would leave church on Sunday and then you go home, and on Monday it was a fight by the bus stop. Yeah. You knew how to get out. That's right. You know what I'm saying. So the same way you turned the church stuff off and picked up street shit, and then turned the street shit off, went back to church on Wednesday, and then know how to turn the street shit off and do football practice because you couldn't be on the team if you was in trouble. Yeah, right. The same way I've always done that was the same way I realized like, all right, cool, I just got to play it another way. Got to play the business that mm-hmm. way. Yeah, yeah. That's dope, man. A lot of people wouldn't have came back from that. That's dope. what I was thinking. Like, yeah, yeah no, nah, man. It just like I said, prayer. Like I grew. I'm, I think a lot of it, especially Southern kids, but especially Atlanta kids, man. For all the craziness and crime and everything that people kind of look at Atlanta, I mean, a lot of us are church kids. Yeah, that's right. A lot of us are really, you know, our mothers, our grandmothers. You know, mm-hmm. they always talk about praying grandmothers and all that stuff. Like, I believe. I mean, some of the hardest niggas I know, they mothers. You know, they mothers and grandmothers were. Yeah. Drag your ass to church on Sunday. Right. You don't, you don't get you shot kill. three people I, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. You gonna be at church on don't Sunday. Care if you got yeah. shot, <laughs> yeah, gonna be at church on Sunday. Yeah, you better right, get bro. your ass up. You know what I'm saying? And that's just a thing that's always been in me. So I think that has played a, a large part in my my good fortune because it wasn't always good fortune. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, like I can say I could I, I could tell a million a million stories about how you know, the times that it didn't work out. Yeah, I yeah. could tell a million stories about the time. Hell, me and Ray, I just I just told Ray a story. Maybe maybe earlier this year we working like I said working on this book. I remember telling Ray like man I remember I used to be jealous of Ray. Yeah, really used to be like annoyed with Ray, and then realized like hold on maybe I'm a little jealous of Ray. Then I realized like oh no it's no need for me to be any of that. We're just different. Yeah. Um, I remember me and Ray met each other very early on in our careers. I've known Rock City. You yeah. Know what I'm saying and Ray and them for shit since so I was around that same time when I was at CTE. Yep. And. As we kind of grew in the industry, I remember Ray Daniels telling me, uh, I remember Ray Daniels getting some opportunities and I was just looking at him like, how the fuck he get that? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just, I didn't understand it because I'm a worker mm-hmm. and I never saw Ray as a worker. Mm-hmm. Ray was a talker. Yeah. And to the point where I would be like, I don't like, you know what I'm saying? Just feel, just feel away. Yeah. Like, hold on, I'm working, I'm working so hard. Yeah. But Ray is getting some amazing opportunities that I didn't. But finally, one day, and I don't even know how it kind of came about, I realized like, oh, rather than being jealous, that's a skill I need to acquire. That's right. That yeah. thing that he does where yeah. he's able to go in a room and negotiate and he yeah. understands and he he talked that shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't need to be mad with my boy. Because we to, friends. Mind you, right. this is just a friend really kind of secretly yeah. hating on a friend. Really, yeah. like, not outwardly, but just more so like, yeah, man. That's free game. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, nah, that's fine. But I realized, like, nah, I need to learn what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and once I kind of picked up that from Ray, I learned to acquire a lot of the things that my other partners were doing. Because I'm like, I work. No one's ever gonna outwork me, and that's a great skill to have. Yes, for sure. But um, it's a it's a it's a skill that some people will overlook. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the music business, because it's a shiny business, right? Mm-hmm. So people like. The look of it. So my man Biddy, who y'all may know, I don't know if y'all have had Biddy yeah, on the Biddy, show. Yeah, Biddy Barnes. Yeah, Biddy yeah. Barnes is like my like my big brother. Man, Biddy was the one who was like, "Hey Nick, you got to start dressing like something. You can't wear cargo sweatpants and three X T shirts the rest of your life. They're Come never going to take you seriously as an <laughs> as an executive." And I remember being like, "That's so fucking shallow." Right. Like I work, yeah. and you know I do my thing. Why are y'all? Why I got to dress up and yeah. play this game? Right. And I realized, like, well, maybe he's on to something. You know, you know what I'm saying? Man, you know, I'm glad you said that because that's something I, I struggle with. And I with. hope I'm not talking y'all to death, bro. No, this I, is amazing. Good, good. Bro, this is amazing, man. But but I struggle with that because I'm, I have ownership. I got my own shit. I try to – I'm like you. I, I keep my head down. I work, I work, I work. But what I, what I don't do is dress up and play the game when I should sometimes. Right. And I know when I blew some plays because I wasn't that guy. And so that's the th- those are definitely the things that I think well, I appreciate you speaking on that because it's game that um, even a person that because I've been in the business a long time too so even hearing that now makes me understand you know that this is something that we all need to pay attention to you can't just everything matters everything y'all ever, matters, y'all ever watch bro. The Wire 
and, and the guy, the, the police are like, all the pieces matter. Yes. Yeah. All of them. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And so free game, yeah. for sure. Look the part. Yeah. You know, look the part, be the part. You be know what I'm saying? Part. You ever see, right. Again, watching The Wire, remember they do the basketball game? And uh, Prop Joe was out there with the suit. Yeah. He's like, yo, why you out here in the 90 degree weather? He's looking like Pat Riley. He's, right. like, he's like, look the part, be the part, right. motherfucker. <laughs> look the part, be the part, motherfucker. That's like, that's it. the free game to y'all. Like, it matters, especially in a business where everybody's drawn to the flash. That's right, you know what I'm right. saying? So, people, unfortunately, would treat you based on what they see. What they see. My man DJ Big X would say, you know, people eat with their eyes. Mm. And I was like, yo, that's super game. You know that's what I'm saying? Super game. If, if it looks successful, it is successful. Come on, man. If it looks rich, it is rich. Now we you know, we know yeah. how much bullshit that could be. That's right. However, sure. have you ever seen the people's reaction to something that they thought was successful, thought was rich, thought yeah. somebody that was moving, and you like 90% of this shit out here is that way. So every now and then you know what I'm saying? Now, I was never the guy that was like, I'm going to go into debt playing a game, right? Yeah. I'm not finna go get a car I can't afford, yeah, yeah, a house yeah. I can't afford and play that game. Yeah. However, I did realize that, you know what? Sometimes I got to throw on a suit. That's right. Sometimes I got to you know, get a nicer watch just yeah. because You're right. people are going to look. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Maybe, I, I know I, only, I just want to throw on these shoes real quick and run to the store, but maybe I should pull on the J's and like, care a little bit more today That's because right. you just never know, right? That's you run right. to a person... Because I, I, I never forget this. I remember this. I used to be in love with this girl. And, um, her name was Shamaria, and we went, we went to school together when we were younger. But I'll never forget. We, we 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 dated for a little while. We broke up, and every time I would run into her, it would be the day that I just threw some shit on. <laughs> <laughs> so after I yeah. run to the grocery store, I run to Subway or something yeah. to get a sandwich. Here she is, yeah. and I'm looking crazy. That's how it Every That's other how it day, I'm fresh. <laughs> I run into her that day and I'm like, come Yo. on. Like today, like the day that I just yeah. slapped on a purple shirt with some pink shorts and some brown socks come on, and man. my oldest pair of shoes, here she is. And right. I'm like, she's going to think I'm right. comp- like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And But that's the music business, bro. Um, Stay ready. You got to get ready. You know, especially, yeah. especially young ladies. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, unfortunately for them, it's even tougher. It's way yeah. tougher. So, you yeah. know, women are like, I just want to throw a hat on or throw my hair in the bun and go to the studio and record some Can't shit. It's it. like, no, you just never know. Never know. What happens if Nick Love walks in? That's right. And, you know, you hear and you, you dress down and you just recording. Yeah. Because, you know, you just recording. Yeah. But that might be the day that everything could change. And that's right. They made a, a snap judgment on you. Yeah. And now it's over. Hey, man, you got right. you got to always be on. Let's talk about the new job, man. Uh, one RPM. One RPM is great. Oh, you got something? No, no. I want to talk about all the new stuff too, but I can't, I can't let the moment pass by. Come on, though. Your marketing got to not skip over the whole snowman campaign. Yeah, with uh, that's got to be one of the top five marketing campaigns it is. Yeah. in hip hop, music sure. history. Top Let's five. Go. It Let's go. Tell me about that. How did that come about, and what was that like? All right, the snowman actually is a Coach K idea. So Coach K, for everybody who ever wondered. Coach K was the guy who really came up with the snowman. I mean, you know, it came from Jeezy yeah, rapping. For sure. But Coach was the one who was like, maybe we should do like this angry snowman. Hmm. And from Coach's idea came, all right, cool. When we get ready to do the boards and the street team stuff and the promo, we're not going to put anything on the board except the, the snowman. snowman. <laughs> so if y'all remember, and that was where I, that was my part. So it was like, hey, guys, you know, like if y'all remember those posters from back in the day, it didn't say snowman jeezy coming soon None all these letters and words. it was just a snowman yeah and you had to be in the know right to know what know. it was and yeah. that to me was that's what to me was what made it cool right because jeezy's whole steez at that time with the lingo everything yeah. he's saying you had shit. to know to know you gotta know he's right. using terminology he's using words that <laughs> if you don't know you don't know he's just saying some stuff and you're just like ah, it sound cool cool right. whatever but if you knew you knew yeah the snowman, the imagery of that was the same thing. Like, I wanted people who had no idea who Jeezy was, CTE, hadn't heard the music to be like, what the hell is that? Yeah. And I wanted people that know to be like, that's that snowman. <laughs> hey, bro. Oh, y'all don't know. Y'all ain't heard. Oh, that was the, you know, that was the thing, man, of keeping it extra simple. Like, yeah. and that came from like looking at like baseball, you know, hell, our hats. That A on, you know, on these mm-hmm. Atlanta Braves hats. The G on the Georgia Bulldog, those things are they just they say what they are without saying much. That A means everything, especially to somebody from Atlanta. That G on that Georgia Bulldog helmet means everything. everything. And most logos, most especially with sports teams in particular, because I'm a big sports fan. Mm -hmm. Everything is very simple and just it is what it is. And again, you have to know to know. And it signifies something to other people. Like, you know what I'm saying? When you see somebody with an A hat on, you're like, 
yeah. from the city. You yeah, know what right. I'm saying? Or like, you know, what's up? Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Or especially out of town people. Like when I see people with a Detroit hat on here Every in Atlanta, time. I'm like, call right. car, yeah. Because Atlanta niggas won't wear, they just won't do it. We That's will right. not wear, you're never catching a real Atlanta nigga with a Yankee hat on right. or a Chicago, you know, like we don't yeah. really do that. Yeah. So when I see somebody in the Detroit Tigers hat with just that D yep. on it, I'm like, yep. what's up? You yeah. from D? Yeah. Yeah, yeah bro, Every I'm from time. D. Right. LA Dodgers hats. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, Raiders. The Raiders, yeah. like those are calling cards right. for that. And so mind you, like and the Raiders is actually where the inspiration came from. Mm-hmm. The Raiders, the snowman is basically the Raiders logo. You that's know what fire. I'm saying? Just mm-hmm. on in street form. So if you look at it, remember how that played, that's where we got that, that from. That is so fire, bro. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. I had to, I couldn't skip over that part. Yeah. No, no. But I mean that snowman, like I said, that snowman and 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 all that is how trans you know, co- you know, translate to coalition starting. How I started oh, Coalition yeah. DJs, gotta, you know what I'm saying? Gotta, like, gotta we gotta talk about that. that. Yeah, yo, look, I'm so, look, we we so much to say, Let's right? Let's go, like, man. Coalition yeah. DJs is just the DJs that I broke Jeezy through. Hmm. It's the you know what I'm saying. They weren't a crew at the time, mind you. We're in the, we were in the era of crews. Um, Real had Super Friends. Uh, Drama them had affiliates at the time. That was Cannon and you know and all those guys. Um, my man Casper had Hitmen. My guy Ray Hamilton had uh, Legion of Doom. So these were all I these crews. All them, bro. Yeah, so if you remember, got some super friends in the Legion of yeah. Doom. I'm an affiliate. I know Hitmen. Those were all DJ crews. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Which was the smartest thing Jeezy ever did because he got everybody like, yeah. Show love. yeah. And so now everybody want to play the record, right? Damn, bro. But I, even then, and this is, you know, again, shout out to Casper, shout out to Ray, shout out to Real, everybody. A lot of, you know, the first original coalition DJs were DJ Nando, rest in peace, DJ X-Rated, DJ Funky, DJ Big X. Hmm. Funky and X were in Legion of Doom. Nando was with nothing. I think X-Rated might have been Hitman, if I'm not mistaken, at that time. Um, the biggest complaint that the DJs had was, we're not getting paid. We're breaking these records and we're not getting paid. Or mm-hmm. the main guy, our manager, whoever, he's getting paid. Mm-hmm. They're just giving us the music, some T-shirts, maybe throwing us a couple bucks. Yeah. And we're unhappy. We want to do something else. So me and Big X got together. I was managing uh, Jagged Edge Studio at the time, Jawa, out in Decatur. Mm-hmm. And uh, me and Big X got together to get them to get him some office space. And while we, he had the office space, we sitting around talking. I'm like, bro, like I can do this. I know the, the dynamics of the crew. I've already dealt with y'all anyway to help break the records. I know exactly what to do. And again, the luxury of having some money coming from Jesus because I, I mean I, I was well taken care of. I don't need to steal from y'all. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I don't right. need to take anything from y'all. So then this is this is the genuine heart of Nick. It's like, I can get everybody paid and I don't have to take much from y'all to do it. Yeah. Um. If your biggest complaint with every other crew is that y'all feel like y'all are not getting your just due, here you're going to get your just due. Mm-hmm. I got you. If I collect four grand, I'll take my little 10%. Everything else is going to y'all. And I'll yeah. keep it above board. I'll keep everything very transparent. You'll see the mm-hmm. money as it comes in. Yeah. It'll never get weird. And everybody's like, that yeah you know what i'm saying and again my my transparency and my my willingness to be like no i don't need to hide nothing from y'all it's cool yeah you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. matter of fact i'll take the short end yeah if y'all just rock out and yeah. do what y'all supposed to do and um it, you just never know man sometimes the good guys win right sometimes yeah. doing good business yeah wins yes and to this day coalition still in effect i left coalition the end of 2015 just because wow. just burnout yeah just just genuine just i'm tired yeah you know what I'm saying? But the guys are still going, yeah. still thriving. I still bring old people over to New Music Money, which they still do to this day, something that we started, hmm. um, you know, in the city in 2010, 2010, 2011, we started New Music Monday. That's and um, it's still going to this day. So, it's, but again, like I said, I think consistency has been my number one calling card as well. Like if you just show up, because New Music Monday wasn't always, it's, it's something that y'all may not know. New Music Monday, as the coalition DJs do, was never intended to be what it was. It was really my meeting to pay the guys. Wow. A client would come in and they would give me money on, say, like a Wednesday. Yep. And I'd be like, damn, like, I need to get this money to y'all. And I didn't want to go drive to Onyx to get to Nando, drive to Strokers to get with Funky. I said, yo, can we just meet? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's just meet. And we met on a Monday night one time and I paid everybody their money for a client. And Rocco, Rocco called Funky. Hmm. And Rocco was like, hey, man, I need to pull up on you. And Funky says, I'm just sitting, I'm sitting here with Nick Love and, and X-Ray. We all together. Pull up. Pulled up and performed. He didn't perform. He just played his record. Uh-huh. And we was like, you know what? Why don't we just tell people to pull up on us on Mondays? Wow. And just do it that way. That way, because ideally, if they could pay me on Monday and I wouldn't have to hold the bread yeah. for three, four days waiting on y'all, y'all would already be here. They get to see y'all. We can do everything in one big walk. And that's how New Music Monday started. 
That's fine. And then we just said, we just do this every Monday. Damn. And some weeks we had nobody, but then before you know it, two, yeah. three artists pulling up, two, three artists pulling up, two, three artists to the point where we had a waiting list of like, hey man, we can't see 10 people. We'll be here all night. Yeah. So it's like, we're just going to do five. And every week for five, five, five. And so now from 2010 to Damn. 2022, they're still seeing artists every single Monday, That's multiple crazy artists, bro. Hell, but bro. consistency, man, you just got to show up sometime. Come on, man. And it's growing too. I know other cities have. Yeah, we, it's Coalition DJ. Like before before I left, we had started Coalition De- uh, Detroit, yep. Coalition Carolinas. There's now uh, Coalition DJs in Texas, um, Tennessee. Like it's grown, bro. Like it's. The DJ culture, who, what, which I'm a huge fan of, something that I've always just, I always want to be like a, you know, I want to be a DJ. Like, I can't DJ, but like, I'm in love with the culture of yeah. it, right? Like, and it looks so easy, yeah. but it's so not. Yeah. It's the, one of the hardest yeah, things hard. in the world, yeah, bro. Yeah. Like, and my DJs made it look so cool. I would go to the club and sit in the booth with them, and they would have whole conversations with me, take shots, talk to girls, smoke some weed. And never miss a, never miss a beat. <laughs> I remember learning the DJ and being like, don't talk to me. Hold on. I have to concentrate to You're figure right. out what song and I'm like how do y'all do this like how do y'all like drink remember. all yeah. night long yeah. and still be killing and carry it. on conversation <laughs> leave the booth go to the bathroom come back whoop, whoop, whoop. and I'm like I, I'm still fans of the guys yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah that's crazy that's so uh, new project manager yeah one RPM, uh, one RPM. Yeah. What, what does that entail what do you do there so I handle all of the marketing for our hip hop R&B and uh, gospel artists at mm. 1RPM. Um, it's a digital, for anybody who's not familiar with uh, 1RPM, it's a digital marketing, uh, I'm sorry, digital music distribution company with uh, marketing services. Mm-hmm. Nice. So we are direct competitors with uh, Empire, yep. uh, Create, Foundation, you mm-hmm. know, companies like that. So, um, and we got our sights set on being the number one music distributor you know in the world like we just uh matter of fact billboard just put out a list of like the top 20 um distributors yeah. and we're like number 12 on the list that's super dope and um it's been dope man i, I orlando mcgee yep he brought me in mm-hmm. orlando who i'd known for years good dude great dude yeah but you know what i'm saying he's one of those guys that you pass like kind of at functions like oh orlando what up we speak yeah. be real cordial but i'd never work with him mm-hmm. working with him man orlando's fucking amazing yeah orlando's one of the best a and r's that i've seen yeah um, one of the best negotiators I've seen. He knows the music business in and out. Now, it's only maybe two people, and he's one of the two that I would be like, I've never seen somebody whose brain works the way that it does. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I know a lot of brilliant people in this business, mm-hmm. but um, somebody, it's it's hard to find somebody who's worked at all the different stops, that's done the marketing, done the legal, yep. done the A&R side, done yep. the management side, that just understand the business in its totality. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't, I don't have that. Yeah. Like I'm a very, I'm a creative mind who understands marketing and that's what I do. Yes, sir. Orlando understands all of it. All of it. <clears throat> so talking to him is like, yo, like I just soak up game every day and he's so dope. Man. And he signed some really amazing artists. We got, um, uh, like, you know, I, one, on the hip hop side, we got method man. We got goody Ma, We got CeeLo. We got, uh, Cuban doll. We got, uh, yellow wolf. We got Bobby yeah. Smurder. We got Jim Jones and Mano. We got, you know what I'm saying? We got Dietrich Hatton on the gospel side. We got a, a artist that I really, really love a girl by the name of BB. She's a songwriter and an artist out of, out of Compton. Um, we got like, we got, we got Caskey who's yep. on the road right now. He's yep. signed. Yeah. You know, like we got some dope artists that I love, man. And, yep. um, I'm super excited about, you know, where we're going with everything. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited for it too, man. I, I happen to be friends with a couple people over there, man. Um, Emmanuel, you know, yeah. Emmanuel. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and I, and that came through the yellow wolf connect, you know what I'm okay. saying? Cause that's, that's my history, but, uh, and the company is growing it's by the way. Crazy. Like it's, it's. I think it's, hey, what the dog is? <laughs> because I watch so many artists kind of, other like up and coming artists kind of dismiss their, that type of success because they're mm-hmm. like, man, I really want to be. And I'm like, yeah, of course, everybody wants to be future. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But it ain't really made for everybody to be future. Yeah. But if you can be Freddie Gibbs, you good. You be happy. Yeah. Freddie Gibbs does extremely well. Extremely well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Has some fans that love him. He puts out good quality music. He tours. Yeah. He's getting opportunities in Hollywood now. Like, yeah. Freddie Gibbs has an amazing career. That's right. And he doesn't even have to play the, yeah. the other game, right? You yeah. know what I'm saying? And, and hell, he'll I, be I would, here forever. Amen. Like as long as he wants to continue mm-hmm. to provide for those fans, the, those people ain't going nowhere. And that's, and you know, me and you was talking while he was switching everything out. Like um, that's kind of where everything else came from. When we talk about Bite Life, yeah. and some of the other stuff I did, you know, um, I just tapped into people that were like me hmm. um, and fed those people. Um, 
with bite life, it was a thing where I realized like I'm not, you know, coming from that conversation with Biddy about trying to, you know, turn it up on 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 the fashion side. And I'm like, you know what, like I can get dressed, and I'm, I have a good eye for stuff, but like that's not really my strength. Yeah. Um, but the food thing I knew really, really well because I was out to three, four o'clock in the morning every night at studios with whoever artists I was working with and I needed something to eat and I was tired of eating McDonald's every day. But I realized there was a bunch of people just like me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was a bunch of folks who were in the music business who were like, bro, I've eaten crystals every day. I've eaten Waffle House every yeah. day. I've eaten what else is out there. And I'd be like, hey, man, you know, such and such is open to like two o'clock in the morning, too. Mm-hmm. Or such and such is open 24 hours. You know, that's how we discovered like our Thomas was one of the first things that everybody discovered. Like, we don't have to eat Waffle House. Yeah. This is fantastic because I hate Waffle House. I think yeah. Waffle House is the most disgusting <laughs> shit. And I'm born and raised in Atlanta. I yeah. tell people Waffle House is horrible. Yeah. People who want to visit Atlanta, Waffle House is is, is the yeah. wackiest place you'll ever eat at in your life. And I have no qualms about saying it. Yeah. When I discovered our Thomas, I was like, thank you. Yes. A place I can go 24 yeah. hours. That's good food. Yeah. And wings. And, bus. And, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, listen, the French toast with the bananas. Come on. Bus and the bacon. <laughs> like, I, I really, you know, and as I was telling people about these spots that I was finding, like going to hotels and like finding like the restaurants that we opened in the hotel, everybody was like, damn, Nick, like what else is out there? Yeah. And that's kind of, I started catering to those people. That's smart. I didn't want to be, I remember, you know, when I first started Bite Life, I was getting invited to all these like fancy events and it would be nothing but either like professional chefs or like housewives who were had turned into like bloggers. Yeah. And I'm the only black guy in there. And the only thing that separated me from those people was the fact that I knew 2 chains. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? I knew Jeezy. I knew the rappers. So they would be like, who's this black dude? Yeah. And then they'd be like, oh, you do music? Do you know? You know, you, know, you get that. Yeah. Oh, do you know so-and-so? And I'm like, actually, I do. I do. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and that was kind of became my calling card in the food space of like, Nick's the food guy that knows the music stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, And what really turned me out was that you know, I started posting stuff on Facebook and my friends who I went to high school with or in college with who were my age were experiencing the same thing. Like, bro, like, I don't want to go to the club. I want to, I just want to go get a nice dinner with some fly. And I'm like, man, I know all the fly spots because I'm, I'm the one who has enough money to go eat, you know, spend a hundred dollars for lunch. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I'm like, hey man, for real, for real, you want to take your girl somewhere for your anniversary? You ought to go pull up over here. Or, yeah. Um, so that, I became the guy that everybody was like, Call Nick if it's your birthday, your anniversary, it's <laughs> Valentine's Day. He yeah. knows all the spots. And I will moving forward. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? And like Thanks. that became the thing of just serving an audience. Like, and you know, like I said, my marketing mind has always been like, how can we serve, serve. a very specific That's niche dope. of people who need the thing that I'm trying to give them? I don't want to force feed, you know, anybody. I don't want to, you know, put a, a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. Who are the people who are 30 years old? who do not want to stand on the couch no more, who do not want to, you know, uh, buy bottles all night, but still want to hang out. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and I'm sure y'all know this, hip hop especially is like, you know, we always say it's a young man's game, right? Everything is kind of built to be young. Yeah. But once you kind of, like if you're my age, right, we're not our parents, right? So it's not time to put us to pasture. That's right. But we're not kids anymore. Yeah, right. What do you do for this middle middle ground of people who are like, I still want to kick it. But I don't want to kick it with y'all. Yeah. But I don't also want to kick it with my parents either. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, where do we go? Mm-hmm. And that became my thing. Like, I got to find clubs, lounges, experiences, activities, restaurants, whatever. Yeah. That are like, hey, man, if you're 35 years old. That's where you need to be. Here's the fly movie theater to go to. Yeah. Here's the fly steakhouse. Here's the fly lounge where you ain't going to run into your daughter or your son while you're in there. Yeah. Here's the fly spot that's not for, like, 60, 70 year olds, but it's like yeah. the thing. And it's the same thing with the sneakers. You know what I'm saying? It's like that's how I got into the sneakers too. Like fashion, I'm a I'm a mannequin guy. Like I'll walk in the store like, oh, I like that. Yeah. Give me that in my size. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know what I'm saying? Or I know how to like switch it up a little bit. Like, all right, cool, I like that. If we switch the shirt, kind of add a little sock, some socks to it, we got it. Um, but sneakers is always my thing, right? Okay. And um, I never. But I, I tell you this: it was a girl I was dating. Um, she was into classic Jordan. She was the one who told me, like, "Hey, man, like Jordan never actually wore the yellow and turquoise yeah. Jordans. You right. can't wear those. Right. That looks crazy. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. 
And I was like, oh, damn, I didn't. <laughs> I never looked at it that way. She was like, Nick, if you're going to do this, you can only wear. Like, she was a hardcore, like, yeah. classic sneaker. That was her thing, like, Nick, classic sneakers. Only the shit that Jordan actually wore, the colorways that he actually wore. Damn. It changed my it changed my whole perspective on the sneaker game. And I was like, nice. oh, okay, gotcha. I know. I right, bet. You know what I'm saying? Like, so now a lot of stuff I wear is specifically either, like, classic shit or stuff that I know is going to, you know, add, you know, the, the value is going to increase, Yeah, you know, over the years, man. And, and there was always an entry point. Because, again, people my age were like, hey, man, I like sneakers too, but I don't be knowing – Right. You know, I'm not, you know, keep in mind, like, we cool. Yeah. We're the first generation of, like, cool yeah. 30 somethings, right? right? 40 yeah. somethings that For are, sure. like, cool. Yeah. Your parents weren't cool. Right. At all. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it's just, let's be real. None of our yeah. parents were cool. Right. They're great people. Yeah. They wasn't cool. Yeah. Our, we're the first generation of, like, parents that our kids are, like, we kind of kick it like them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I was always like, okay, I want to be hip enough that my kids are like, Okay, my dad know a little something, but not so damn childish that yeah. people my age are like him. That he got on turquoise. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you hey man, I ain't know. I, yeah. they, they Jordans. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, they Jordans or they Air Max. You're like, hey, whatever. Yeah. Then somebody kind of put you on, like, oh, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, she she helped me develop That's my fine. eye, man. So now it's 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 all about the classic sneaks. Do you see yourself like opening a restaurant? No, nah, hell no. Nah. Nah. So one thing I'll never do is open a restaurant or a club. Okay. I, you know, I've, I've thrown enough parties mm-hmm. um, and made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I've done Bite Life and met every chef, GM in the city. That's a hard business to be in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a very hard business to be in. Now, I'll help you. If you want to open one, yeah. I'll come do your marketing. Yeah. You know, I t- I, the best thing I can ever tell anybody, and this is a more free game. Once I lean into my marketing. It's on. Once I really like, because... In the music business, what you'll find is that, and I used to, I'm guilty of this. I would be in the studio and I'm like telling somebody like, hey man, you ought to rap it like this. You ought to, hey, Will Pop, like that's a dope chord you just played, but if you did the, mm-hmm. and Will Pop looking like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm the producer here. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, you know what I'm saying? And like, I don't mean nothing by it. I'm just trying to yeah. give you my thing. But once I realized like, you know what? I'm not an A&R for a reason. I'm not a producer for a reason. There's a reason that Will Power is the producer Ray is the A&R, so-and-so is the, you know, whatever they are, and there's a reason that I'm the marketing guy. And once I was like, oh, I no longer have opinions about how this plays out. Like, you signed them? Yeah. Great. Give them to me, I'll do the marketing. And once I got there, Mm -hmm. I've been unstoppable. 